What's going on, everybody? Today is December 5th, and you're listening and watching Daily Daily AI Show Live. And as you can see on the screen today, we're talking about chatbots reimagined. Specifically, we're talking about drag methods. So that is the kind of, oh, there goes the music. That, that's kind of the uh, goal for today. Um, as it stands right now, as we get going, we've got Jimmy, Beth, Andy, and I'm Brian. Uh, we'll see if uh, Robert or, or Carl are able to pop in here. But sort of the goal, like I said, today is just to sort of talk about these RAG methods, um, what it stands for, um, what it is, what it isn't, um, why maybe, I don't know, and I, I, this is for you guys because I'm, this is definitely my, my area experience, but what I would love to know is how does it differ from using a knowledge base for maybe a custom GPT? Um, what does it mean when you have enterprise <clears throat> solutions like what NVIDIA put out with their Nemo uh, Retriever? And what is that? Why does that help businesses? So that's kind of where my brain is. I'd love to learn from you guys. Um, I don't know, Andy, I heard you talking before. Do you want to kind of kick things off or does somebody sure. else want to jump on this? Right. So what we're talking about are large language models, which are transformers. So transformers take the words that you put into them and they create what are called embeddings. And that's a mathematical representation of each almost down to several letters at a time. It chunks the words that you put in. It, it, it chunks them and also timestamp each one as they're fed in. Those embeddings are then fed through the multiple, you know, the, the zillions of layers of, uh, you know, artificial neurons in that network. And the output mm -hmm. is, is uh, based on what the pre-training of that transformer model was. So, that's basically taking advantage of the incredible scale of training of a large language model. But what if you want to add specific knowledge about your company or about something that isn't in the pre-training? It's just a, it's it's not in the books that were used or the websites that were used for the pre-training. Uh, well, that's where retrieval augmented generation or RAG comes in. And what that does is it adds additional context at the time you send in your prompt as embeddings and your prompt by the way when you put it in it becomes an embedding as well so with a stream that's going into the model or all these mathematical representations of the words uh, but the retrieval augmented generation method has a separate database that's the knowledge database and in fact it, to your point brian there is no difference between rag and knowledge in a gpt that is a, a rag method uh, it, it goes out and it, it grabs a bunch of relevant information from the database. They're already in the database in the form of embeddings, because if you put information into a vector database for vector search at runtime to pull it in as additional context, to add to the knowledge and prior training of the, of the uh, foundation model, then uh, you only want to bring in a certain amount of that information that's particularly relevant to the query. So the embeddings that are created when you write your prompt are then thrown into the uh, into the vector database that are is also made up of all these embeddings of the knowledge that you've added there. And the similarity by semantic uh, mathematical semantic reasoning brings back only a small number that are particularly relevant to the prompt. That's important because all these large language models have a context window, meaning the number of tokens that you can put in, that they allow you to put in. But those context windows are getting bigger and bigger 
So you can, uh, there's practically no limit now to the amount of special knowledge that you can put into a vector database or into the knowledge database in GPTs that you can then add as context. And that whole methodology of using embeddings in a large language model and bringing information from outside the model's training in at the time that you're sending in your prompt, that's retrieval augmented generation. Okay, so that was excellent. Thank you. So I, my first follow-up question to anybody on this is, it, it sounds like you said that the database, if you will, whatever this, whatever the RAG is going to, the database, that is in fact vectorized. Is that correct? That's right. Okay. So that's, and this is something I don't know. Purposes. One is it's easy to, to calculate semantic similarity using vectors, sure. right? And it's faster. Right, so you're looking for speed in retrieval and also accuracy, and that's why a vector database is used. And so my second follow-up question is, now when you look at like maybe enterprise level, NVIDIA seems to be saying with their Nemo uh, Retriever, which is a product name, it's a, it's a RAG product name, um, that it's going to be access, accessing the databases. Are they saying that these databases are, they have sort of a suite of databases that you as the consumer, the business can go in and say, well, look, this one's gonna be, this database is gonna be the most relevant to me. It's geographical data, it's whatever, it's information about the Southeast specifically, and that means something to my company. So I want to take all my queries, all my, my model, my questions as the user, and I'm gonna ask for answers back but I always wanted to go and reference against the known verified data in the Southeast, let's say. Is that what NVIDIA is doing or is NVIDIA saying, or any any company, by the way, I, this is just the one I looked at earlier, any company that offers this, or are they saying, no, we're just, we're saying you can get, we'll help you get better access to your own cloud database or is it both? Yeah, I, th they're, I don't know what NVIDIA is doing. I haven't read about that. But um, mm. what, what I think they're saying is they they will take all of your corporate data, they'll feed it into a vector database, and, and then you'll be able to pull them out. And you can have separate vector databases, right? So you mm. can have you can have metadata, which says, okay, if, if I classify this query as having to do with geographic locations, and it's a question about that, I'm gonna tag that as being a geo search, and then I'm gonna to go to the geo database, right? Which, you know, that, that's a simple example, but uh, that would be the way that, that you would use multiple databases that are separate and specialized, that, and that's maybe an artifact of the way data is, is held in relational databases today in enterprise. Yeah, I, I think to to just highlight what um, what problem uh, that NVIDIA is addressing with their this new service is uh, one of the the drawbacks uh, or the uh, slower imp, uh, parts of RAG is retrieving that information. So mm -hmm. NVIDIA service is all about speeding up the information retrieval process. And that's mm -hmm. one of the steps you can do to just improve the output and experience of using a, uh, a RAG system. So I, th I think that's their main uh, application there. And of course, this is the path that they've been going on for a while 
is providing you know the shovels and pickaxes to the larger AI uh, development uh, environment. Yeah, Carl, give us a graph. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to share, like, just to give our audience a visualization of what this actually looks like. So second. Okay. Sorry, let me know when you want me to add it. Got it. Yeah. Okay. So what Andy is talking about is the vector store, right? So. And this, the vector store could be anything, could be Chroma, could be Pinecone. I think Amazon has Kendra. I'm, that's why I'm always curious, what is the vector store for various companies? What do they use? Because if you look at the steps here, um, a person asks a question, <clears throat> then the, I guess the chat bot would also have what is the chat history? Then it would also look at like, what is the, you know, what's the large language model that you're using? And then essentially it's, there's two, there's two paths here. One is the question itself, which then it would search against the vector store. So before, so let's stop there. Essentially, let's say you have documents, PDF documents, it would be chunked. So it can't feed the entire document. It's not like a regular database where you just put docs in. It has to actually split all these, the unstructured data and structured data, it splits them apart. It's to these chunks. How they how they split it apart depends, but most of the time it's just randomly split it, split it apart. And then it turns it into embeddings, which are numbers, numerical representations of words so for example the word dog would be numerically closer to the word pet than the word alligator or crocodile which would be actually still numerically closer to the word pet than i don't know a dragon just go down that line so Mm -hmm. and so when a question is asked it reviews what is in the question, what words are in the question, and then tries to compare it against the database, against all the embeddings. And then from there, connects back and then gets your questions answered, right? And then goes through, you know, the large language model again, and then outputs your answer. It's a very, you know, brief, brief overview of how this works every single time you put in a question. So, when we Is when a hybrid model, would you call that a hybrid model when you're using a rag? Because it's not just going down one path. It's in it's in fact the language model is saying, well, the truest answer, the most correct answer for the end user could be a combination of pieces and parts of what's correct. stored in vector in the database for the company, as well as you know, GPT four being GPT four and having a trillions and trillions of parameters, you know, language model as well. There's there's two things on that. The first one is, yes, depending on how you, what is the, I guess you can call it base prompt, you can call it instructions for the actual chatbot. So if the instructions is 
you will not answer any questions outside the vector store. If the chatbot is actually like, like created well, then it mm. won't use its pre-trained data. It will just only use vector store data. And that would be a temperature of like zero, basically. Zero yeah. with the no creativity. Nothing, no creativity, don't answer anything outside of that. Mm. But then you could also open the chatbot up and allow it to pull from its pre-trained data at the same time. But that actually connects to number two. And it was a very interesting post by Ethan Mollick yesterday about he was saying that like the rag model is not the best use case for using company data because it hallucinates. That was his point. I would disagree to a point if, if the only thing you use AI is to use it for rag. To me, that doesn't make any sense that, yes, it will hallucinate depending on how you base prompt it, depending on what information you provide it, it all these things, all these different factors. But there's so many other, obviously, so many other potential AI uses beyond RAG and, and RAG is always improving. What's interesting, Andy, when and, and Brian, when you're talking about what NVIDIA was talking about is, are they taught like... If you pull up the graph again, sure. Um, if you each vector store, you can put a namespace. So the namespace would be like 2021, 2020, whatever. And essentially, it buckets the information. So if I ask the question against 2021, then it would pull from 2021. And you can name it anything you want. But it's interesting. Are you talking about multiple vector stores then? that it would be pulling from is that I, I i don't know like that's more of a hypothetical question for for nvidia or like are they talking about multiple things that they can start pulling from in addition to its pre-trained data which would be fascinating or are they just talking about a bunch of namespaces inside the vector store so here's one would be china one would be united states one would be i don't know brazil one would be japan whatever that is or which would make it crazy multiple vector stores connected to the same but i have a feeling that would require probably some sort of compute power which that i would imagine you'd probably need gpus for it which then i would imagine great job nvidia <laughs> so is this okay let's compare and contrast against fine tuning rag compare and contrast to fine tuning when would a business uh, and let's just say like mid-market, let's not maybe go enterprise, but when would a business maybe lean towards a RAG method versus or methodology or use case versus attempting to fine tune? Is, is RAG the easier and the first place to start most likely as well as like good prompting? Yes, um, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's significantly more difficult technically to do fine tuning. It requires some AI engineers in your staff to do that. Now, there's probably some tools out there that will help you do that in a, in a rudimentary way. But, but you know, they, the RAG systems that are out there, like mo the chatbots that, that are in use broadly by people in the AI exchange, for example, Chatbase, Retune, Dante, et cetera, Vellum, uh, those are all RAG systems. Nobody's trying to tune the models. Now, there are 
efficient ways to fine tune a model, which is basically, um, instead of trying to retrain by adding uh, weights to the original foundation model, which by the way, you don't have access to when you're working with OpenAI or Claude or anything else. They're not letting you touch the weights in their models, but there are methods where you can take an open source model. This gets to the point about the complexity. Now you've got to mount your own you know, open source model and, and then you're going to use a, a, a ranking system called LoRa probably in order to create a new layer on top of that model that you provide training to, which reduces the overall compute cost necessary to do full retraining of a foundation model. You can retrain a, a, a model, but th that can be, if, if you put even like 5 billion parameters into it, that can cost you a hundred grand. So you're not wanting to do that. Whereas you use the RAG method and it's free. Well, for, except for the cost that's of you know, people who are you know, doing right. it. Right, right, right. Yeah, no, that's a real good point. I think that's the that's the number one point that when people are comparing the two, it's it's definitely the price for implementation of RAG versus fine tuning. I think the other consideration is how specific uh, you're, you're trying to get that model. Like um, the more specific the task, if you want to build specific models for specific tasks or specific information or whatnot, that then you get closer to the reasons to spend the money on the fine tuning uh, versus just let's see what we can do now and stay with staying with the, the RAG method. So think about it as RAG will let you bring in additional knowledge like facts, figures, examples, etc., into a small context window, but it does it efficiently by using this semantic vector search, brings in only the relevant stuff, relevant to the query that is. And, and by contrast, if you wanted to do fine tuning, you're probably motivated because you need to advance its reasoning capabilities, the model's reasoning capabilities around a certain kind of process. Mm -hmm. So, you, you know, there's logic that we know and there's rules and it, what the fine tuning process would do would be give a whole bunch of marked up examples to the training process, running these through GPUs at high expense to change the weights in a model so that it has some experience with the kind of logic in the tasks that you have that are specific in your enterprise. So that that's just expensive. It's, it's a big load. It's a heavy burden to do that. So it, probably most people listening to this are not going to be thinking about fine tuning. So like something. Oh, sorry, Beth. Go ahead. Uh, Go ahead, Beth. Uh, so I'm just wondering how web search comes into this because web search is obviously going out and retrieving information. Mm -hmm. Is there a just in time reg, right? Does it like quickly? like convert it to numbers and assess it in that moment and then exactly. add it to and, the knowledge? Both, both ChatGPT with web browsing and perplexity basically do retrieval augmented generation where the web search is the retrieval. So it's going out, okay. instead of going to a vector database, they have really fast computing with you know crawlers that are really, really speedy. Perplexity does, and, and so does ChatGPT. And they okay. bring back this new set of embeddings to load into the context window, but they can't go beyond the context window, 
right? So they're they're compressing it down to the things that they think are most relevant, and that's what that's the value of really good crawler search technology. It's going to bring back the things that are relevant. Yeah. So when you see that little analyzing. <laughs> it's basically singing a little embedding and converting song to itself. Well, remember, even your prompts are being changed into embeddings. Right. 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 That's true. It's, it's, it's all the same pipeline. And when your when your final delivery of knowledge and prompt go in, it's just a stream of embeddings. And okay. I think like when when uh, a tool like a custom AI chatbot not the i think this is where the difference between a gpt at the moment and uh a custom ai chatbot is custom ai chatbots can train on web pages where it actually goes to the web page before even a question is asked you can train on multiple pages and they would turn those into embeddings i think that there's two different functions one is turn those into embeddings and the other one is actually do it in real time so mm -hmm. Previously, custom AI chatbots can't do that in real time, while GPTs can. They can actually do the search while you're, you know, doing the search. So it's a it's a fascinating thing. But actually, just going back to fine tuning and, and rag, the one thing I did find is you could do a poor person version of fine tuning depending on the use case. And here's an example: I wanted to create a it, normally you would fine tune this use case because it's like, Hey, I want the output of the model to ensure whenever we ask it a question about, you know, creating paid media ads, it would create paid, like the type of responses that we would normally have fine tuned it on like a hundred question and answers. And these are the type of answers. This is what we want to find, but what you could do, is actually in your rag. It has to do the instruction. You can instruct it to using the information in the, you know, in the knowledge base. I want you to output it exactly like, you know, use the voice tone, blah, whatever it is, writing style, X, 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 more of that, like whatever's inside it. And what we found is once we we did that the output is actually really really good so we're not retrieving data we're using it as the and and you know the instruction is if you're asked anything other than paid media ads do not answer so we've instructed it not to retrieve data i guess to kind of read data and ensure that the output of what we're trying to do matches what's in the database so you could say that is a poor version of fine-tuning and you know we a b tested it. it it did really well so there are ways to i think uh, use rag beyond just data retrieval which i think mm -hmm. gpts opens the door significantly than traditional it's funny when I say traditional, but it's not. It's only been less than a year. Less than AI chatbots versus GPTs. So it sounds like it's it's reducing what you're talking about is not necessarily you don't necessarily need it to pull back directly from this database. You're using the database to reduce hallucinations. 
but the the task I'm doing is write paid media copy. I don't I don't need it to retrieve specific information that has to be accurate. I need it to be creative based mm -hmm. on right. So it's a different mm -hmm. use. So it's, there is no I don't need it to pull any type of data. So it can hallucinate all at once. I want it to be creative, but it's different. Yeah. So because accuracy is not your your main goal. Accuracy not. And one last point here too is from when you compare a GPT to uh, a traditional RAG model, you cannot ask the RAG against its own knowledge source. So if you actually type in um, execute like this page or like ask it about. Because remember, it chunks it all. Right. So mm -hmm. you can't ask the, you can ask, hey, on page 36, what is the word? You you know, it'll bring it all back. But if you ask specifically about knowledge sources or, or take that one step further, execute against the knowledge source. So like execute document three. You can't do that with a traditional rag. You can with the GPT, which opens so many other doors, whether execute code, execute prompts, like mm -hmm. that is really cool to be able to pick and choose because there was a use case that I saw yesterday. It was like, oh, I want to create prompts for different languages and enable the person to, to do that. It's like, oh, in your, in your GPT, just add however each document you upload add a prompt for different, you know, for di for each country, then the user can be like execute China prompt. Right. That would go. I think you can't do that, that with the that, traditional. Practice. That's an important point, Carla. You're you're uh, making a distinction between what the packaged rag systems like Chatbase and uh -huh. Retune do, which is they provide an easy interface to upload documents, but when they put those documents in. They don't put them in as named documents that can be specifically referenced. It just it puts all that knowledge into the embeddings and then into the data store. Yep. It's, it's, it's a limitation of their implementation, which GPT surmounted by letting you put up named documents and you can mm -hmm. reference those in your product. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. that, and, and when this first came, you know, it became clear that you could, and as many of the more sophisticated GPTs do today, you can put a lot of the instructions into the documents and knowledge. Mm -hmm. And just in your simple prompt, you can say, okay, step one, look at this document and do this. Step two, look at this document yeah. and follow the instructions in there. When you're finished, come back and do the next step. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, you know, as we're sort of getting to the end here, I think one of the things I want to at least bring up is just the importance of um, having clean data it's something I, I know I've brought up, you know, many times, but, you know, whether it's a, you know, paid database or whether it's a database that your company creates itself or already had, um, despite vectoring and, and chunking on all that, it, it's not necessarily going to do a, a fantastic job if your data is unstructured. And I can show you, I can tell you a, a simple version of this that I ran into where the PDFs that this chatbot was referencing did not have simple top-down um, right. uh, um, like headings, right? So heading one was whatever. It, on the PDF, as a human, 
it was left and right in two different text boxes. So if you can imagine you have headers on your left and you have sub bullets on your right. Well, I haven't, at least up until this point, found a system that will read that correctly. Now, one workaround was to actually convert those H, uh, those uh, PDFs into HTML. And that started, when you look at the HTML in like a Google tab, that started to align things correctly. But but never mind that use case. This just happens to be one of my use cases. You could you could say this for anything, I think, is just that you do have to look. It's not just as easy as take whatever you have and throw it in there. And the magic vector pinecone is going to handle all of it miraculously, chunk it correctly, and put everything where it needs to do and make its mathematical triangulations as to where in a 3D model these words are most closely related, like dog and pet, or whatever the case may be, or alligator and pet, right? So I think it's just it's just worth mentioning as sort of maybe towards the end here and get your guys' opinion on it, but you do have to be careful. It's not a magic wand. Um, you do have to really work. And I think companies, and there's obviously lots of companies who sell data. Um, I can think of companies I've worked with that sell very, very meticulous high-end data on the ultra high wealthy, the whole ultra high net worth people of the world, right? You're less than your 1%, it's probably 1% of 1% people because they're, they're trying to seek out them for, um, for charitable causes and things like this. That, that data set is highly, highly curated and detailed. And it's like, that's what that company does is make sure that that data set is as good as it possibly can. That, there's a giant difference between connecting to a data set like that if you are a nonprofit, as opposed to maybe connecting to something you could, you know, pull off the internet or whatever the case may be. So anyway, just worth mentioning, I think that there's value in people who curate and manage and consistently prune and clean really, really good data sets. And that I think is going to continue to be a massive market as you have these, what appears to be these rag methods of, hey, I need it to, I need that data to be absolutely perfect so that when I use this method, my, I know that my answers are not hallucinating or not giving back erroneous information. I don't know. Is that, is that how you guys see it as well? I'm just sort of where my brain is with this right now. I think there's one, there's are some weaknesses of the custom AI chatbots is when you say it does better in unstructured data than it does with structured data. So, and when you talk about PDFs, it's very depends. Is it natural, like, is it a picture PDF where you need to sure. OCR it? Or yeah. is it like a PDF create? So th that's, that's one in itself. And then remember with custom chatbots, remember how it chunks everything? So if you take like a spreadsheet and chunk that and you want it to answer in a specific way, you actually have to find a way to ask, either ask the question or put some sort of process in place so it retrieves the data in order, not as, so it's easy to say, oh, in, you know, cell number four, like it'll find the specific, but if you want to analyze it on the whole, it won't, it, it'll hallucinate like crazy. It doesn't matter what the instructions are. So mm. people have been working around that's like, oh, you take a picture of a PDF. I mean, a a um, a spreadsheet yes. and then, yeah. yeah. And then turn it into a web page. That would be a way to, to bypass that. And then it would actually do a much better job. But what the, uh, which I haven't tested yet with the GBT is you, 
I, I I'd be very curious to see how they read CSVs versus. <laughs> well, they have they have code interpreter, which has been specifically oh, right. trained yeah, to do that. They so. don't, yeah, it it does it so much better yeah. than so the. That's another advantage for a C for a GPT versus a custom chatbot, especially on structured data, which is hard um, to read using the the embeddings in Vector Store at the moment. Mm -hmm. And this is one of those places where um, where we're using different GPT different capabilities mm -hmm. of GPTs together, right? So that we talk about mm -hmm. the magic of. Uh, of retrieval augmented generation, that's actually the generation is its own magic. Yeah. And its own magic is like confidence, right? So it is going to give you erroneous information as confidently <laughs> as it is going to give you accurate exactly. information. Yeah. And the retrieval itself is a kind of magic. It's more similar to what we do when we search something. Um, uh, and the augmentation is then like what emphasis, where are you, um, what, in what way is it augmented? And those capabilities are shifting as we're like are shifting faster in the, the scenario, I think, than the other two pieces, right? So what we're talking about today and the way that like this is magic uh, in this way may be super different in two weeks because of the ways that something can be augmented. Or, or even just how like things could be embedded, like, uh, you know, like something like Langchain has <clears throat> for the past year improved their systems. So um, it, in a month, the again, like the the way that this whole thing is being done could be completely changed, which is, you know, really fascinating on how data is retrieved and so on. Hey, and make sure that we have uh, content for the next several years. Why <laughs> we picked AI because we never knew we knew for sure we would never run out of something to talk about on any given day. Um, I guess we'll wrap it up there unless there's any last thoughts. Um, Hopefully, you uh, know, just, for our audience, you guys, you know, learn something from this. You understand um, more about RAG. I know I learned a lot here because I definitely was coming into this going like, okay, I, I think I get it, but I'm not 100% sure. So this is super helpful. Um, don't forget the rest of this week we have tomorrow. We'll be talking about all the AI in the news that came up over the last seven days. So we'll be talking about that on Thursday. We're talking about transforming images into motion uh, using AI. So there's been a lot of that in the last week. Some of that will probably come up in the news tomorrow. But we're going to look at some of these different tools that, you know, like Runway ML and Decoherence, some other ones in there that we've been sort of messing around with, which are uh, actually really, really cool. And then Friday, we got Lego My Ego. No, we got Meta's Ego, Ego, Exo, 4D. It's all of that. It's a great name. But it, but Andy did explain it to us, so we'll bring that back up on Friday, uh, talking about their augmented reality and what they're doing with their language and learning models and not learning models, but their, their learning pathways and things like that. Should be super interesting on Friday. So uh, that's it. Any last thoughts before we go? Uh, real quick. Um, I don't think data handling and data processing uh, is really going to change your basic approach to making sure your data is clean as, as part of your process. That's uh, yeah. that's a standard. That's not going to change. Right. I'll t I, my TLDR is if you want to just... Uh, get access to the incredible knowledge that's already in the pre-trained GPT-4 world in OpenAI or Claude 2, you just prompt. You just type in your query, you right. type in your questions. But 
If you want to do something that has reference to your personal documents and, and knowledge, then you use RAG. And the fastest and easiest way to get to that is to have a plus subscription on OpenAI and create your own GPT. You upload those documents and they're a part of that process. Yeah. All right. We'll leave it there. All right, guys. Have a great rest of your Tuesday if you're listening to us live. And uh, we will be back the rest of this week. Can't wait to see everybody tomorrow. Bye. Aloha.